Welcome to the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. We believe this teaching from God's Word will empower you to live a full, impactful life in Christ. Let's dig in. In Romans chapter 10, beginning with the fourth verse. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone, no matter who you are, what you look like, to everyone who believes. Now, what the writer here, the Apostle Paul, is saying is that the law ends for us to the extent that our obedience to the law is no longer our basis for relationship with God. However, we find throughout the New Testament, there is a sense that the law is never ending, in that it reflects God's standards and shows us our need for a Savior. John said it this way in John chapter 1 and verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus the Christ. You see, the law that God gave Moses condemns even the best of us. But the wonderful thing about grace is that it saves even the worst of us. You see, the the law hunts each of us as sinners, but the law ends when we take refuge in the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. You know, the only thing good about a guilty conscience is the fact that you have one. But but here's the deal. Guilt finds its final cure only when we look to the cross and ask for God to make us brand new. Now, I'm going to make a little statement here. Now, a lot of folks, when we think of, of Christianity in our faith, we think of forgiveness of sins. That's important, that's vital, and that's, that's, a very, very, that's a very, very big part. But that's not only what God does. Once we became a follower of Jesus Christ, we are born anew. We are born again. And not only are we forgiven, the Bible says we become new creations. We become new creatures. So what God does is he forgives us of everything we've ever done wrong, but then he puts something in us that enables us to do better and to do right. Do you understand what I'm saying? So God does not just come and say, well, you know what? I'm merciful. I'm going to just wipe the slate clean. Keep on doing what you're doing. But each of us had a sin factory. And the problem was not what was coming out of the line, it was the factory itself. So Jesus came to shut down the factory. You hear what I'm saying? He came to remodel it and and, and change it. So there's forgiveness of what what, what was created in the past, but there are new factors now involved. There's there's a Christ factor, Christ in me, the hope of glory. He's created in me something new, and that new thing now has a new output and, and, and a new life. Does that make sense to everyone in the room? Romans 10 and 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. Meaning, if you're going to relate to God by law, you got to remember God is perfect, and you must obey the law completely and perfectly. God is holy. God does not grade on a curve. You see, we can live—how many of you think you could live? It'd be hard, but, but, but at least for me. But, but I could live without eating pork. I, I could survive. But we could not live without breaking the Tenth Commandment. Amen. Thou shalt not covet. 
thy neighbor's house, spouse, employees, car, anything else. Or how about the, the, the Eighth Commandment, thou shalt not steal. Have you ever taken a paperclip from the job? Yep. Yeah. Have you ever made a personal phone call on company time? And that's only two. I haven't mentioned the other eight of the ten. You see, the law shows us that we're all lawbreakers in need of saving. And that was the purpose of the law. But the righteousness of faith, not law, of faith speaks this way. It has a way of thinking and a way of speaking. It says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. You see, there's no great work that we can accomplish in our own strength. You I mean, you can, can, can swim the ocean, you, you can stop a river from flowing, you know, dam it up, do whatever you, you want to do, but no amount of good we can ever do can erase the bad. Someone can't, never goes to, 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 you know, stands before the judge and say, yeah, I murdered these seven people, but I fed 17 people on the way to, 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 to court today. In, in God's justice, there's no amount of good that can erase bad. Yes, sir. So what does this new righteousness say? This righteousness that has nothing to do with Moses, has nothing to do with the law, and has everything to do with Jesus Christ. But what does it say? How do people who are justified by faith apart from works, how do they think? How do they speak? This is how we speak. The word is near you, or the message is near you. The Bible says the Lord is near to all who call upon him. His covenant promises are actually to be right under our nose, not just in a book, not just in a cell phone, but his covenant promises are to be right under our nose, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message of faith which we preach. So the message is not that you have to make a pilgrimage to Mecca or a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to be saved. The message is the Word of God is in your heart, and God wants it to spring forth out of your mouth. Keep speaking God's promises even when your voice shakes. So we're going to be talking about, I think, some new things. I've never taught this message before, so it's okay if you're a little bit, bit, bit quiet. But uh, the title here is Faith Must Be in Two places. And this next verse is our focus. He continues, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart. So what is this scripture teaching us? Real legitimate Bible faith must be in two places, in your heart and in your mouth. Now, don't miss this. Hollow, formulaic confessions do absolutely nothing. But when God's Word comes alive in your heart and gets in union with your mouth, God's saving power will eventually appear. But there has to be the union of those two. You say, well, I believe it quietly in my mouth, but when push comes to shove, the opposite thing comes out your mouth. Guess what? Your mouth is telling what you really believe. 
Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's in your heart in abundance is what comes out of your mouth. So your mouth tells on you. So how you really feel about your children, your mouth will show up and, 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 and confess. How you really feel about your church, how you really feel about your spouse, how you really feel about life will show up in your mouth because out of the abundance of the heart, the what mouth speaks. But when you have God in abundance, guess what comes out of your mouth? Godly things. Let's go to Mark 5 and 25. Let's look at some examples. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood <clears throat> for 12 years. Certain woman, meaning this is not a myth, this is for real. This was a real lady. And how many of us are facing some problems in our life that you've been facing for a long time? Yeah, 12 years. I mean, you've been to the psychologist, you've been to the life coach, you've been to the doctor, you, 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 you've been to the bank, you've been to the marriage counselor, you've been to the hospital, but nothing worked. This woman was in the same boat, and her boat was sinking. And she had suffered many things from many physicians. I mean, Dr. Oz, Dr. Phil, Dr. House, I mean, all of them. And she went to them all. She had spent all that she had, and she got no better, but rather grew worse. Where do you go when, 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 when nobody has answers? I mean, all the conventional wisdom has nothing for you, and things are just getting worse, and, and what, what do you do? When she heard about Jesus, we talked about the message of faith, the message of the gospel. When she heard about Jesus, Jesus is always the answer. Watch well, this. She came behind him, even when you feel left behind. You know, circumstances tried to bury her. Circumstances may try to bury you. But, but this is good because Jesus tells us the kingdom of God is like a seed. When circumstances try to bury you, it's really just putting you in position to sprout. The deeper the hole, the deeper the roots. The more manure thrown on top, the more fuel you have to grow. With God, the comeback is always greater than the setback. Is anything too hard for God? So again, you feel you're being buried, life's trying to bury, it's just a setup. God is, is like a seed. God's going to use that situation for you to sprout up new life and have a testimony you'd never imagine having. When she heard about Jesus, faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. God's word. And this is why you're here today. This is why you're listening, not just to be churchy, not just to be better than your neighbor, but, but so you could hear God's word and you have a word in your heart so you could win. When she heard about Jesus, she didn't care that she didn't get a special audience. She came behind him in the crowd. And just because you're in the crowd today doesn't mean that God doesn't have something special just for you. And she touched his garment. Why? Why did she touch his garment? For she said, nobody else said, but she said. And there'll be moments in her life nobody else is going to say what God put in your heart for your life. And you're going to have to make the decision about whether or not you're going to say it. For she said, mama didn't say it, daddy didn't say it, auntie didn't say it, Jesus didn't even say it. For she said, she did not just believe quietly in her heart. She had the guts to say it out loud to herself and to anyone listening. 
We got to stop being so mousy about our faith and start saying what God has promised and start living our lives out loud. For she said, it really doesn't matter what anybody else says. What matters and what God is listening is to, what do you say? What have you let arise in your heart? What truth of God's Word is living on the inside of you? What do you say? For she said, again, she had no one applauding for her. In fact, she had to push through the crowd. Um, she, she was a woman. She, you know, she was out alone. I mean, she, she, no, no one was excited about this lady. But the Bible said she had something to say about her situation. And God is listening to what you have to say about your situation. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. You see, ultimately, our wellness doesn't originate on the outside. It originates on the inside. When we allow the Holy Spirit to release his healing power, his truth in our hearts and in our mouths, we become unstoppable. It didn't matter what people were saying. What mattered is what she said. There are things going on in your life. I, I understand and I sympathize, but here's my question. What do you have to say about it? All these years in the Word, all the, you know, we read through the, the, the New Testament this year together. After all that reading, after all that worship, what do you have to say about the sickness in your life, the problem in your home, the situation in your finance? What do you have to say to that situation? Now, what Jesus does here, he doesn't initiate a word. He's about to respond to her word. And sometimes, again, it's like our lives are waiting for our response. Uh, Jesus saw a fig tree that had leaves. It was advertising something it did not have but had no fruit. But then the Bible said he responded, meaning that he had something to say about it. And it's like that tree was waiting for his answer. And, and there are mountains in our lives, situations in our lives that are waiting for our response. And are you going to respond like, you know, Pookie and Ray Ray? Are you going to respond, you know, based, you know, everybody else, they start jerking your neck and, and doing all that other crazy stuff? Or are you going to respond with God's Word? I will live and not die and proclaim the works of God. How do you respond? And my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. The Lord is a shield and, and a buckler. He will protect me. He will keep me. Though a thousand fall at my left hand, ten thousand at my right hand. I know everybody else's marriage is falling apart. I recognize that everybody else is going under. I know what's happening to the neighbor down the street, but it shall not come near me. God's waiting for what you have to say about your situation. The nation's gone crazy, but I'm not. God's not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. I can keep my head in crazy times. That's what I have to say about me. What do you have to say about you? How you respond matters. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. 
Proverbs 18 and 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So you might have a lot to say, but my death and my life is in the power of my own tongue. You can trace almost every success and failure in our lives to what you have to say about the situation. Pay attention to that inner conversation. Pay attention to the words that come out of your mouth because you are predicting doom or you are predicting life. It's up to you. 1 Samuel 17 and 40, let's look at another example. Familiar here. Then David took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand. Now, if we would have read through this whole chapter, it's not Bible study, so we're not going to do all that. Um, you would have found that he had been speaking or talking smack the, 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 the entire chapter. Um, matter of fact, he was talking so much smack that his elder brother Eliab got so angry. The Bible said, it said he burned with anger at David. See, I don't really care how much it irritates folks that can't stand you. If God be for you, who can be against you? And sometimes you have to choose. Are you going to listen to the Eliabs of the world? You might love them. They might be a brother or sister. Or are you going to listen to God? If God be for me, he's more than enough than the world against me. See, favor is not fair, but it's free to anyone who will accept it. So here we have David, his brother's mad at him because he has an attitude. And I want to ask you, what is your attitude when trouble comes? The Bible says we are to have the mind of Christ. Jesus' mind was this way. Before he was crucified, he said three times in front of his disciples, in front of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, in front of the crowds, and anyone who will listen, listen, they're going to beat me, they're going to mock me, then they're going to they're hang me up to die, but on the third day, but on the third day, but on the third day. Basically, what Jesus was saying is, I'm going to punch you right there, devil, and I'm going to tell you before I do it, watch out, watch out, here it comes, down, done. That's the way Jesus did it. He, Jesus was talking junk. He said, y'all going to do some stuff, but on the third day, I'm going to get up. I'm going to rise. Y'all didn't hear me. Y'all didn't hear me. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He spoke resurrection before it happened. He was prophesying that he'd come back from the grave before it happened. What are you prophesying in your life? What are you predicting by the types of things you say? What do you have the faith enough to say in advance? Faith is not, you know, faith, listen, if it's seen, it's not, it's not faith. Hope that seeing is not hope. Before you see it, you need faith. You think, you, you say, well, I'm a person of faith, but what are you saying? You're saying what you have instead of what God promised. Faith is taking hold of God's promises. Looking at that child, even though everything about that child's life says one thing, but, but listen, you know, you, you are a blessing of the Lord. Um, uh, you know, the, the Bible says this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. The children shall be taught of the Lord. God's going to teach you. God's going to train you. God's going to raise you up. You understand? What do you see? Now, I, I, we, we have church faith. That's good. But, but, but what about real life faith? 
When, when you're dealing with an issue, what do you say? What do you see? And I'm not just talking about one slip. I'm talking about what you repeatedly say and what you repeatedly see. And David grew near or drew near to the Philistine. David didn't just talk it. He backed up his faith with deeds. And courage starts with showing up. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. It was on at this point. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, watch this, he disdained him. Now laugh at me if you want, but you're not going to be laughing very long. And some folks laugh at us because we're different, but, but I cry for, for, for a lot of folks because they're all the same. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. Don't let this pretty face fool you. <laughs> so the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? This was jail yard talk in Hebrew idiom, so I'm going to leave that out for all our modern sensibilities. But read between the lines, he was saying some stuff. And the Philistine then cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said this to David, he continued, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David wilted and, and ran home, threw his sling down and no. When you're face, facing closed-minded people, don't retreat, don't apologize, don't explain, just get it done. Now, now may, yeah, and maybe on the other side, you can have a conversation. But when, when, when people are closed, I'm like, well, I'm just going to show you. I'm, I'm not going to try to convince you. I really don't care what you have to say. Uh, me and God got some work to do, and if you got to see it to believe it, well, let's get to the other side of this miracle, then we'll talk. Amen. Then David said, he didn't just believe it. He wasn't just in his prayer closet believing God. No, he showed up. And he said it out loud in front of an audience. Then David said to the Philistines, what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth will determine whether or not the giants in your lives rise or stand or fall. It's up to you. It's not up to God alone. It's up to you. God did not slay Goliath apart from David. God will not deal with your giants apart from you. Watch David. Now, the, the giant has, has been talking. Now it's David's turn. Now you come to me with sword and spear and with a javelin. The Bible tells us how large these, these instruments of battle were. And these, this was the most sophisticated weaponry of the time. He's like, you know, listen, Goliath, I see what you're working with. I, I see you. And I admit, you know, you're going to defeat most people, but I'm not most people. See, I'm different. I, I'm not coming to you in the name of David. But I come to you, not in the power of my own name, my own legacy, my own practice, my own experience, but in the name, a far greater name. Is there still power in the name? Yeah. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Psalms 24 and verse 8 David says, who is the king of glory? And then the others, it was antiphonal. They said, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle is he. Does anyone still worship a God that's strong? Does anyone worship a God that's able? 
Does anybody worship a God that, that still has power to save? Then show up, act like it, get it in your heart, get it in your mouth, and begin to stand your ground. Your children don't have to go down. I recognize what's happening in culture. I recognize what's going on in our world. It doesn't have to happen to you too. You can stand against the tide. You can stand against it. God will give you wisdom. Daniel had a situation where, where the government said, unless you bow down to the king, you know, down to that image, we're we, we, we gonna, um, we, we gonna kill you. But, but David went up to his prayer room and he prayed with his blinds open so everybody could see. And then he accepted the consequences because he went to pray, but prayer was real. It wasn't just a religious act for him. He was really communing with God. But then they put him in the lion's den. But guess what happened? It was real. I mean, and you'd be like, well, God, if you love me, how does this happen? It was real. I mean, real lions, smelly lions. But the lions got locked, joy. You hear what I'm saying? God knows how to show up for you. And he was in the midst of consequences, but the consequences had no teeth. And then the next morning, the king woke up and said, well, 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 Daniel, was your God able to save? He's like, well, be at peace. My God is able to save. And you understand what I'm saying? God, God will, when you got faith in your heart, God will get you purposely into some situations so people can see the strength and the power of your God. Now, if the king didn't have that mandate, if they didn't arrest him, we'd have no story to speak of. So the issues you're facing, God's just writing your story. And he's saying, just trust me, just believe me, put it, in my, put it in your heart, put it in your mouth, and watch me do what only I can do. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Why do you call him the God of the armies of Israel? This is a covenant-keeping God. This is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying God. He's saying, listen, you see men before you, but, but I see the God b behind the men. And you see, the, the, the men had been cowering for 45 days. They were all afraid of Goliath, but there was one man that was not. And, and, and even though all of those men had a covenant, they were cowering because they didn't believe. And all of us in this room, all of us listening, we have a covenant with God, but we're cowering because we don't really believe. We read it in a book, you might hear it preached, but when push comes to shove, it doesn't show up in your heart and your mouth the way it should. And God is saying, if you would just trust me and, and let my message get in your heart so big that it begins to flow out your mouth, I will be the God that you never imagined could be. God is a faithful God, and if we follow his covenant and his principles, we will prevail. So David let Goliath speak, but then it was his turn. And you know, in our lives, the devil speaks. He speaks with painful events or through painful events. He speaks in times of hurt. He, 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 he speaks through things that have happened, and, and, and he's yelling and screaming, I'm bigger than your faith. I'm bigger than the God in you. You're going to fall like everyone else. You're not going to make it. But David, listen to Goliath. And sometimes you can't stop the storm in the middle of the storm. 
You just got to just stand there and take it for a minute. I don't always know. You know, Jesus at times spoke to the storm. Other times they just went through it. I don't know. But, but watch when it was David's turn. He said, okay, Goliath, I hear all that. But watch what came out of his heart. Now, this is for real. I mean, this is a real giant, real soldiers, real death was on the horizon, okay? And he said, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will, I'm not talking about somebody from another generation. I'm not talking about Moses coming back. I'm not talking about Gideon coming back. I'm not talking about Samson coming back. I'm not talking about Martin Luther King coming back. Not you know what I'm saying? I will strike you. And the King James Version says, smite you. Smite just sounds so official. It sounds so rude and <laughs> so permanent. I like it. And David was like, I will smite you. For 45 days, Goliath stood on one side of the hill. Actually, he went into the middle of the valley between the, the two sides, defiantly shouting to God's people. And David would, you know, his, his dad was sending him back to the troops, and he would deliver cheese and, 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 and all that bread to, to, to the sergeant so that his brothers would have favor, and he'd listen in. But, but David, you know, he's still taking care of the sheep. So, um, you know, he'd he listen to Goliath, and he'd go back at home, and he'd eat, sleep, smite, and repeat. He did all that in his imagination. Now, this is important. You got to see it on the inside before you see it on the outside. Okay, I'm, I'm going to take a, a, just a real quick side journey. You know, we, we built three buildings and, and all the rest, and every time— I never once heard God say to me, this is your property or this is your, your, your place. What he said to me each time is, Derek, can you see it? See, I, I go to a lot of places and I couldn't see it on the inside. But when I got to this place, I could see it. And the question was, could I see it? And if I could let God imagine it, God was saying, if you have the guts to, to imagine this, son, you can have it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see it before you have it. Jesus was at Lazarus' grave, and he, he, he prayed out loud, and he said, listen, I'm only praying so other folks can, can hear. But he already saw Lazarus rose from the dead. He didn't say, Lazarus might you come forth? He said, Lazarus, come forth. He fully expected Lazarus to respond. Yes, sir. And God wants us to live with some expectation and some confidence. The Bible said, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Do you have confidence. As a single, do you have, do you just have a little hope or do you have confidence? And what I've learned to do is, is stay with God till I have confidence. 
David stood before Goliath because there was a confidence, a confidence the world didn't give so Goliath couldn't take it away. And I find, I go into my prayer time, like I said before, not to be religious, not so I could check the box and say, look at me, God, I'm a good praying boy. No, so I could leave my prayer room confident that God got my situation and my life. Now, do you pray until you have confidence? Or do you pray just to say you prayed? David prayed until he knew that he knew. It didn't matter how big the giant in front of him, the God on the inside was so big on the inside of him, he wouldn't back up or let go. And he said, in this day, not after doing some more praying or or next time we meet, but this day, Goliath. I will give the carcass of this camp to the Philistines, to the birds of the air, and the wild beasts of the earth. Now, that was, you know, in, in that area, era, uh, being deprived of burial was considered worse than death itself. So, this was a, a huge insult that, that he was given Goliath. Um, but, but watch the why of it. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. You see, this incident made David famous, but that wasn't why he did it. Rosa Parks staying in her seat made her famous, but that wasn't why she did it. Galileo told us that instead of the sun circling the earth, the earth circled the sun, and that's what made him famous, but that's not why he did it. If you let the faith of God, rise in your heart, put it in your mouth, you too will become spiritually known. At one point, I think it was the sons of Sceva, they tried to cast out a demon, and the man beat them up. He was a demon-possessed man, and uh, what they said is, in the name of Jesus who Paul preached. Please hear me, please hear me, I'm about to say something. God doesn't want to hear you say, well, in the name of the God that Bishop preaches, in the name of the God that my daddy and my mama know, in the name of the God that my wife or my husband knows, but in the name of the God that I know whom I serve and who I belong to, you understand? The demon responded this way to the men that they, they, they just beat up. They said, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but <laughs> who are you? If you want to become spiritually known, famous in the spiritual realm, I want you to always come to church. Church is so important. It's important to be uh, around the saints, and I don't want to minimize that. But if it stops with church attendance, you're in trouble. But if you do more than just have enough faith, but sometimes, I'm going to be frank, sometimes all you do is have just enough faith to kind of limp in here and find a seat and say, feel God, God, please help me right where I am. So, so I'm not putting that down. But, but, but what I am saying is if you just rise to even a, a greater level and let God put faith in your heart, 
Faith in your mouth. Get into the Word until the Word gets into you. Worship until you're confident. You understand? Lean into you. Listen to messages until you know that you know that you know. You understand? It's not about, oh, I heard the preaching and it was good. No, it's about did it help you? Did it strengthen you? Is it changing your life? That's the purpose of it all. So use God's weapons, the weapon of prayer, the weapon of hearing. The, 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 the weapon of speaking, in the full arm of God that, that we read about in the Bible, it says put on all the armor, there's only one offensive weapon, and it was the, the Word of God, which was the sword of the Spirit. And if you're all defense, no offense, you're not going to win in today's climate. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what I'm saying to you today, and what I'm challenging you to do today, is put God's Word in your heart. David said, I hide the word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Put God's word in your heart, and right now, all of you put it in your heart. I believe all of you are listening and you're paying attention. But this next step we miss, we often don't put it in our mouths, so we lose it. So that Goliath you need to conquer. Don't leave here without putting it in your mouth. Otherwise, I preached in vain. I preached a pretty message, but it had no application. So what is the Goliath you need to speak to? Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big. We also invite you to partner with Derek Rear Ministries in bringing the life-changing and impactful teachings of God's Word to the world. Get started by visiting DerekRear.com by clicking the link in the description.